Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who definitely became a better person after he had his arm chopped off. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and that's just uh, I. That's had, how justice works, right? I mean, that's how justice chop, works. Chop that's how that's how mental illness works. That's uh, just punishment for bestiality, and uh, it's yeah. Yeah, there, there's a whole host of of uh, the kids have really gone in an interesting direction with those crimes. There, it, it got right, a little. Right, in fact, right. it got a little much. It's probably to me one of the most sort of accurate parts about this entire movie is how meandering that ch- those that child those two children's story is it's like yep yeah. that's what every story every child I, i've ever known in my entire life including my own has sounded like it's like yeah you start in one but, spot and then before you know it you're like chopping arms off and people are like doing weird stuff with and it's like well all right well this is just well kids. it also it also seems attuned enough to the actual dynamics going on in the family that uh i'm worried that they think that's what their uncle actually did yeah, I mean, but yeah, that, or or at least it's a you know they have some sort of mental sort of vague mental speculation on that. It's it's right. I mean, yeah, I mean that's kids though, right? So that's I mean, fair. They're 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 like I said, they're I think they're the most accurate part of the entire movie. <laughs> Well, Pat, before we get into our movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to a bonus episode. Uh, beyond that, even more bonus content if you want to give us more money. Uh, more, but you, more, more. More, more, more. But for just $1 a month, you get access to that episode. You get to vote on what that episode is going to be. It's once a month. We do a non-criterion film. I put together the list usually, but I also take suggestions from supporters if they'd like. And if a supporter does suggest something, we try very hard to get them on the episode because it's always a joy to talk with someone about a movie they really love. And from that, we've talked to uh, supporter Stephen Goldmeyer about Now You See Me, uh, one mm-hmm. of his favorite movies. We've talked to uh, supporter Jason Westhaver about uh, uh, Godzilla GMK, the, uh, the 2001, oh, yes, yeah. I believe, Godzilla film. Uh, which was really a fun episode as well, and and a few others with supporters and many others without. We have over 50, 50 bonus episodes over there. But yeah, just for a dollar a month, get you that vote access and get you our ear if you want to suggest something too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, yes. That's I guess technically I mean, how to it be, works. To be fair, just just if a, if a rando me. emailed us an idea, we might <laughs> right. still just listen. We'd, but we'd like... still take. We'd still do it. It's fair. That's true. Uh, anyway, that's all at a dollar a month. For five dollars a month, uh, the real only only bonus uh, for that is that we thank those people on air. But we're very grateful to the people who can afford to give us that little extra bump each month. Our current five dollar supporters, who we want to thank, are Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, and Christopher Otto. Thank you so much yes, thank for you. your support. A little above that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Me too. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a personalized thank you note, mail that off once a month as well. We do like to thank our $10 supporters. So thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, to Michael McGrath, Nina Bajanak, Patrick Yako, and Adam Speakerman. 
our current swath of $10 and above supporters. Yeah, it's a swath. <clears throat> Just a swath. Uh, if you want to see those postcards without committing to the $10 a month, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion there. Most of the postcards are up. There are a few there were some legal issues with. Yeah. Uh, and then there's but, uh, the, the, the new ones. Yes, and the, the brand new ones don't go up immediately. Uh, from there, not only can you see them, though, but you can also purchase them as postcards, as fold-out greeting cards, uh, a few as buttons. Magnets, a few of them, I think, are magnets. I believe a few of them as magnets as well. Whenever the artwork something something different, I, I also threw it up on that sort of thing. But you can buy them. You can send them to your grandma. Uh, yep. You can Happy you, Valentine's Day, Grandma. You could use Months a postcard late. to write a threatening note to your local mayor. And yeah, you could do that. I mean, send like, it to them, and our web address will be on it, so we'll yeah. be investigated too. The, so. the, yeah, the first place the uh, FBI will stop is us, and then that's yeah. just going to cause a, a strange tailspin <laughs> in our lives and right. probably ruin they will, it, frankly. But <laughs> listen, once once they get to us, it's going to be a while before they get to you. Yeah, that's true. If you're trying to throw them off the scent, yeah, we're a good yeah. first stop because boy. <laughs> They're going to have a lot of th- stuff to listen to, and most of it will probably be something they're interested in. We're, g- we're going to have a lot of talks. That's, yeah. that's for sure. That's for sure. And then it's an international incident because they're going to have to Oh, contact. yeah, yeah. I get extradited. Uh, it's, it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole yeah. mess. That takes forever. So. It really does. It really does. Uh, anyway, again, redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion if you want to check those postcards out or buy any. But if you want to support us more directly, patreon.com slash lostingcriterion. Pat, this week we are talking about a Christmas tale. We're a, we're a little late for Christmas. Uh, yeah, we, some... really, we really fucked up. We should, we, we, we really, we dropped the ball on this one. We should be doing this at Christmas time. Man, yeah, that would, because we do this once a week, do you know, do you know how long ago we would have had to start know, adjusting would, to make sure this a, episode was really It's such Christmas. a hard, like, change to the schedule. Like, yeah. like, we would have had to, like, I guess, either we would have just had by to a full 50 weeks. Originally, or, we would have originally had to start the podcast six weeks earlier. Uh, and even then, that would have been earlier, I think. wildly unpredictable because, um, you know, like. Right, we, right, 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 right. We have no, like, the number of times we've had to cancel, and, like, it's, our schedule is, in the short term, our schedule is very figure-outable. Yeah. And in the long term, very hard no, to figure not at out. All. Not at all. And our release schedule is also not, because sometimes, uh, through throughout our history, we have handled multiple movies being on the same uh Spine number right, differently, differently every yeah. time we've encountered. I think it, at this point we've so, we've kind of come up with our sort of final yes, sort of yes we've this settled is how we do it. But we've settled into a plan on how to do it, but we hadn't for the first four or five years right, of doing this. Right. So yeah, uh, <laughs> so to have gotten this one out for Christmas twenty twenty one would have taken a lot of finagling and a an mo- actual monumental plan. amount of planning. <laughs> it would have taken an actual plan, is what it would have taken. Yes, uh, and we we were not planning this far ahead even though this was a movie that had been released by the time we started right we we're are right still within the, that window we are within we're, that although we're rapidly getting to we're the approaching the cusp uh but it's still going to be a little while what i find fascinating about like not to get too um kind of up inside the butt of the criterion collection in yeah. general is what i find most fascinating about where we're kind of coming up on now which would have would had already happened by the time we 
started, but was still, I think, kind of feels like it was relatively new, is we're really getting into movies that had only been released fairly recently when we started at this point. Like, these are not... This seems to be happening more and more is what I'm saying. Like, we're getting more and more movies that are only, like, less than a decade old by the time they were released by Criterion. Whereas, like, the early on in the collection, it's almost entirely things that are decades and decades old. Um, Whereas now, we're, like, uh, Criterion... We've hit a point in the sort of history of the collection, it seems, where they were picking up the rights to films that maybe had just been released or were coming out, had come out overseas not that long ago uh, and made a splash or something, and so they decided to pick it up. It's just an interesting sort of, I wouldn't call it entirely a sea change because obviously we've encountered um, other versions of this up until now. This is not certainly not the first time or anything like that, but it is... Um, seems like it's becoming more and more common um, right as we right. go through the collection and I, yeah. I I find that I just it's just interesting to me it's not really like what I would call hyper relevant <laughs> like it doesn't really affect anything except for like it does point to a sort of change that that change has a I don't know like it feels different like it it kind of feels like they're saying something different with their with the with the sort of like with the collection than they maybe were 300 spine numbers ago, you know? Right, right, right. It's making it more, it's making it less of a collection about like, oh, these are like classic films that you should have watched becoming more something to the effect of like, oh, here's some, here are foreign films that were released that you probably missed or something to that effect. Yeah. Or that are worth preserving in an English form, like in a format that English speakers can watch or something that basically. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're approaching 500 films in to this. Yes. And, you know, with 500, of course, any given decade isn't going to have a lot within it, but we're about maybe a dozen between two released between 2000 and 2010. Right. Um, and you know, given, Given what Criterion seems to have wanted to be, at least yeah. when it started, um, well, I can't really say that either because if you go back to the Laserdisc days, they were releasing stuff that had been yeah, released no, 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 within no. the last I, yeah. ten, it seems ten like, years. But when they switched over to DVD, it appeared yeah. like they changed sort of mode of operation and went to sort of like, okay, our goal here is to release on DVD. Movies that are important works in the history of cinema that are generally unaccessible on DVD, and we're right. not confident. And like, and it seems, and and a, a reasonable thing to do, like a good thing to do for the purpose of preserving film history, like may never be picked up by somebody else, yeah, or have have been in limbo for a long time, right? Because like the Laserdisc collection is relatively limited in scope because Laserdisc was a relatively limited in scope uh, format. Indeed, indeed. And so, like, it just doesn't cover that much ground, whereas, like, the DVD, they, they seem to be like, oh, well, this is the format that's here to stay. We're gonna go for it. And, like, they're releasing, most of those early ones are mostly, seem to be right. mostly that kind of film. And then as time goes on, we seem to be picking up more and more, like, oh, this came out five years ago, and it never got an American release on right. DVD. On- Let's pick it up. Okay, first off, for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to say, I'm going to count the year 2000 as the 21st century. Okay. Uh, With that parameter, 
on a technicality, our first 21st century piece okay. was one of the Beastie Boys videos at, at spine number 100. Uh-huh. Uh, after that, we have Spine 147 came out in 2000. That's In the Mood for Love, Wong Kar Wai. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're kind of grouped right here. That was one uh, 147. And then 150, I'm sorry, 151 is Steven Soderbergh's 2000 film, Traffic. Uh-huh. And 152 is David Gordon Green's 2000 film, George Washington. Right, uh, okay. Then we skip a little bit, and of course, the Wes Anderson stuff passes the 2000 mark at that point, Royal yeah. Tannenbaums, which right. we will talk about again, because the movie we're about to talk about is like the drama version of Royal Tannenbaums. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about is, uh, Yes, yeah. that was going to come up, uh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Then from there, there are films that late that are part of like anthology. So By Brackage has one that is posted as 2001 but i can't actually remember what what in there was was that that's that's section one of by brackage volume one of by brackage the uh the next time the the 2000s come up is that a constant forge the documentary on the john cassavetes uh film box set about his process came out in 2000 uh so that's spine 256 we're already 100 spines on from our last last one Right, right right um uh, Fat Girl was right around that same time, and that's 2001. <laughs> and that's uh, that's it until we get to Yee Yee at 3.39, another film that I'm sure we'll talk about this week. Right, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe not. I, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, much like the Wes Anderson stuff, like there, there's there's definitely ways to make care- comparisons there, but right, there's also, right, right, right. you could also not because like they are also kind of wildly different. Yeah, it's hard yeah, to say what, it's hard to say what will difference. happen today. Then, same with Royal comes to mind in watching this because it is a large ensemble family drama, right? Yes, uh, in yeah. the same way that Monsoon Wedding would come to come yeah, to mind. Yeah, with this. we. I mean, we haven't uh, covered that many sort of family dramas, right? Right. right so, right. yeah. Um, the Return to Grey Gardens, The Beals of Grey Gardens, came out in two thousand six, so that's a post two thousand one that we watched. Uh, and oh yeah, Brand Upon the Brain, Guy Madden's. Came out in two thousand six, even though it's in black and white, and feels like it should it have been feel at like any it, point. It came out in two thousand six, yes, <laughs> right, yeah. right. At any point in the latter half of the twentieth century, just for style. But, um, and then and then we get all the way back to our uh, what what I should stop considering a recent run because it's now been like four months. But, uh, curious case of Benjamin Button, Bergman Island was two thousand six. Monsoon Wedding 2001, and A Christmas Tale Now is 2008, and Gamora next week will be 2008. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, what, a dozen, 15, all told? Yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of what that's I'm— counting some, That's making some pretty iffy calls. Right. On, I don't know. It, on, yeah, I don't—but I think if you were to, like, graph that out, it would yeah. lean heavier towards more recently than, obviously, like, when just what you were listening um, right, but it's hard to say. I don't know. It's just it's a feeling that I have uh, about it. Um, either way, looking forward, also in the collection as we go on, it does seem to be maybe that's going to be happening more and more. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we pick up. They definitely we definitely start with two thousand work more often, moving through say the next hundred than with right. the last five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, certainly, uh, but yeah. This week is A Christmas Tale, like I said, from 2008. It's directed by 
uh, Ahmad Desplichin. Uh, this is the only Desplichin film we will be seeing in the Criterion Collection so far. Um, but I said that about Mina Nair and Monsoon Wedding, and the week and we posted they that episode, they announced a new one. Right, so, right, right. so maybe if we say something about really hoping we can see more Despichin, uh during this episode. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll, we'll see, see about whether that, those words we'll come out whether of our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, it is a big ensemble French film from 2008. Many of the folks in this are uh, Despichin regulars. Uh, okay. He, he uses a lot of the same actors. Uh, he's got a sort of troupe. Um, interestingly, the guy who plays Henri, uh, who had been previously in a Despichin as well, uh in one of the bonus materials talks as if he didn't realize just <laughs> that, that the director had a troop. So when he was doing a similar character in a different movie, acting with many of the same actors was the first time it occurred to him that, that <laughs> I had now, a holy he's, shit moment. now he's Wait, in the group. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, um, my, in some sort of ensemble, like repeating ensemble cast. Yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I being Wes Anderson? You are. What's happening you are. Here? Well, <laughs> Wes Anderson, Certainly not the first person. No, but. no, I, I, no. I mean, we, there, we have, we've talked about a lot of directors right, right, who right, do right, this. Right, like, right, right. I, 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 I joke. We've got some uh, really heavy hitters, actually. Uh, but interestingly, our, our matriarch of this film, uh, played by Catherine Deneuve, uh, we saw as recently as Repulsion. She's placed Carol. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. And yeah. Uh, we've also seen her. I believe we watched the Umbrellas of Cherbourg already. I can't actually remember. If that's have we? I keep. I keep. I keep thinking, thinking we've watched it. And I maybe don't we think haven't. we have. I, every time I see it in like a list of like, oh, famous movies you should watch, I'm like, oh, we've seen that. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we haven't. It's actually it's 716. I just uh, I I keep convincing myself I've already seen it. Late. Yeah, we actually haven't seen a lot of Jacques Demy. Period. So I don't know why I would have thought that. But I think um, that's I think I get that though because like it feels like one of those movies that we should have already watched and the fact that we well, have it seems strange. Well, talking about to get, to get us a, a step backwards into talking about Criterion's formatting a, a little bit more. I uh, I think Criterion also had that thought in a couple of years. <laughs> I uh, forgot that they didn't they because, didn't do it. Because what actually happens is that spine number 713 is called The Essential Jacques Demy. And it is oh. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, no, six. six so Jacques what it Demy sounds films. like to me is you, what you're saying to me is, <laughs> is that someone at the Criterion Collection had an oh shit moment and was like, yeah. oh no. Why haven't, <laughs> what have we done? Well, yeah, we, how did it's. What 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 happened here? I mean, of course, we you know not that again. We don't want to spend too much time up criteria, right, right, but right, right, right. but like to a certain extent, there's like availabilities and stuff like that, right? Like they're, yeah, they're yeah, buying yeah, yeah. release there rights, are other and like who knows who owns what rights to things up until what point in time, and there's a lot of that kind of crap, right, right, right. That, that, that had I'm sure they're navigating, which explains why like really famous films that feel like they should be Criterion Collection films aren't Criterion Collection films until the 700s. Yeah, and you're like, okay, don't know yeah. how that happened, but yeah, I won't. I won't enumerate everything we've seen anyone else in this movie in, other than to say the uh, the woman who plays I I think Rosa uh, Rosa Me the uh, the mom's friend is uh-huh. that 
the like grandma's friend who comes over for a minute. And yeah, right, right. Yeah, beans. they come. I don't remember her name. I kind yeah. of started like French names don't like register half the times as names to me. Yeah, and so I stopped like kind of paying attention. I was like, well, I know what everybody looks like, so. For the most part, I got a little confused because there's an awful lot of dudes that I that right that, right right right. Occasionally, I was like, "Who's that one?" Like, because they'll say the name of somebody who's not on screen. I'll be like, "Which one was that?" And then yeah. I hope that the story will eventually explain it to me and tell right, me which right. one it was. <laughs> right, right. In any case, uh, Rosami is is her name, and uh, whenever whenever an elder actress or actor shows up in a movie. I can pretty much guarantee we've seen them before. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, but I was uh, I was kind of surprised at where she popped up as as an extra in last year at Marion Bed. Uh, huh. She just okay. plays. She just that's plays it? a person. A person. Uh, I I believe she's she is listed on IMDb as just a person of the hotel. Her first her first acting gig was last year at Marion Bed. She was in Bunnell's Diary of a Chambermaid, but her role is not listed on uh, on IMDb or on uh, okay. Wikipedia. It must be an extra or something, uh, I guess. So yeah, just something in there. Uh, and uh, yeah, it doesn't look like we've uh, we've seen her in anything else. She was principally a. I mean, she acted a lot, but she she was better known as a stage actress, I believe. Oh, okay. We have seen or will have seen a lot of people in this movie. Uh, in fact, the guy who plays Henri, I I couldn't place him, couldn't figure out why I recognized him. Oh, yeah, him. I know, but super familiar, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I I now know where I last saw him. Okay. Uh, you haven't yet, but he is a... Uh, uh, he is one of the members of the police force in the French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson film. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's pretty prolific, right? Like, I yeah, uh, that face yeah. is crazy familiar. Right, right, to me. right, 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 right. Yeah, like I don't know where I saw him because I haven't seen the French Dispatch. Um, I'm going to save that for a time that you guys make me watch that, <laughs> um, and it's a, it'll be in the Criterion Collection eventually, almost certainly. Well, there are a lot of movies that this movie reminded me of, but yes, principally, principally. It was the Royal Tannenbaums. Yeah, me too. So I, that's much of this, what I started thinking about as so, well. So much of this is, I cannot imagine that it was not directly inspired by yeah. Royal Tannenbaums. Yeah, I I feel the same way. <laughs> like, like the the pieces are mixed up a little bit, but <laughs> but yeah, so it, much of this thing. has. I wonder how you feel. So here's here's the thing. I me too. Like as soon as we really got into sort of the meat of it, I was like, "Oh, this is, this is somebody. Somebody has seen Royal Tenenbaum, right?" Um, right. And but at the same time, I, but also I sort of started mentally linking it, linking it, like lumping it into what I consider sort of like high-strung family dramas, right? Right. Which is right, a, just right, a right. genre in and of themselves that I've seen plenty of other ones. I mean, we we will tend to lean towards talking about the Criterion ones of those. But there's one bajillion of them. On right. Earth. There's right, essentially right, right, an right, infinite right, number right. of them. And they they all feel sort of of a piece. Like obviously, like what makes Royal Tenenbaums so special and I, I say special very, you know, in my own way. Listen, we uh, know your feelings, so Yeah. I, I say special because uh, well, we're going to talk about that in the future when we finally talk, when we finally get into, where I've kind of finally codified my my thoughts on Wes Anderson more completely. But um, no, I, what what makes it special though is that it it mixes in a high level of sort of quirkiness and humor that like a lot of high tension family dramas don't have. 
Right, uh, right, right. Like this doesn't have that, which makes it in many ways feel more bland because it seems to just fit into the category of high fa- high tension family drama. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have a lot to me, and this is just me. It doesn't seem to be offering to me anything special in the way of narrative. Uh, artistically, it's interesting. It looks nice. It's not bad. It's not yeah. a bad movie. But I can't. I when I watch this, I don't find what makes this different from a purely like storytelling perspective from hundreds of other movies I've watched. Yeah, in the same yeah. genre, they always have some. They always have some like linchpin thing that like defines the family dynamics. Uh, it's usually something tragic. Um, they always have some new tragedy that's come down the come down the pike that 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 sort of redef- is going to redefine the family going forward and how they deal with that. Like I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like I don't know why this is special. Right. Right. Yeah. Um and we've watched, you know, we've watched a good chunk of movies like that. Yeah, Gigi, and I, I've and, already and mentioned also Monsoon our, Wedding, right? Yeah, um, are which both... had a lot of special things to offer. Monsoon right, Wedding right. had a lot of unique and special things that you don't get in standard European high tension family dramas because it had its own perspective. It had a lot of unique things going on, right? right. That these don't have. Um, is it is it a matter that we are dealing with a French family? Do you think? Uh, it's probably part of it because yeah. well, okay. Oh man, there's so much to unpack because this is this is also obviously a movie that is very interested in Western culture too, right? That's that's what we're getting, you right? Know, that's yeah. those yeah. cultural touchstones. We're reading Nietzsche. We're reading uh, uh, what Emerson, I think, right? And, and 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 very importantly, I think to sort of an ex- as an extension of that, one of the things that I that I don't love about it is that like it's not just it's very. It's very into what is considered sort of highbrow French culture, sort of of an era. Like it has a sort of it. Fe- this movie feels extremely French. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll allow that, even French. though most of the cultural references they're making. I'm are not, not saying that French. they're. I'm not <laughs> saying they're made by French people. I'm saying they are the things that like become have become a piece with sort of. And it's not exclusively French. It's just it's a thing that I've noticed in French film where. This sort of need to sort of almost sort of lay out your your sort of cultural credentials yeah. as a sort of element of like I okay I okay, okay. let's what, let's what, take a step. What you're back. saying there is that you think this movie is pretentious. I absolutely uh, think this movie is pretentious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm trying to get to without just coming out and saying it because I don't like to make those kinds of statements really. Right. Is that. What one of the things that makes this film feel so weird is like no family has these kinds of conversations that I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I'm a low class person, I get that, right? But like Nietzsche does not come up in family conversations of anyone I've ever met in my entire life, yeah, including the rich people I've known in my life, right? Right, None and these aren't them. even especially rich people, like he owns a fabric dyeing factory yes right they are well off but but unlike some of those other family uh movies that we've already mentioned this is not a family that's well off enough that they have a housekeeper right Uh, right yeah yeah right um see what's the other one that we watched oh man we have actually watched quite a few of these i i think it's not it's not one family 
but Ang Lee's The Ice Storm we watched a while back that was a lot of families around Thanksgiving. Um, all right, but, yeah. But all I mean, we've watched we've watched a other. fair number of Bergman films that have sort of linchpin around a family, <laughs> there's a lot of, family's dynamics. There's a lot of Bergman in this too, certainly. Yeah. I. Uh, but here's the thing: is like, is there's a lot of Bergman, but it loses some of what makes the Bergman stuff so charming to me, which is the sort of stillness of it all. Like mm-hmm. Bergman's high tension family dramas still feel very steady paced, and in many ways feel more authentic to me. Because they're not as frantic as many of these kinds of films are, I, and that's a, that's a, that's a, just a feeling. I can't. I couldn't give you an example. I'm trying to think of the, what's the Bergman that takes place. I guess at Christmas, Frankie and Alexander. Right. Is yeah, and this has a lot of Frankie like and Alexander. But Frankie, the pacing of Frankie and Alexander is an interesting conversation to get into because it exists both as the what six episode miniseries and as the single right and two I and a half hour movie them together a little yeah. bit too because yeah. that's a hard thing to keep track of right this far on from when it happened. My memory of it is just that it was more pace, that it was more mellow. The the drama was high, but more 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 Bergman-esque I don't know like more willing to like let people stew and brew rather than like not Frankie explosions. by the way Fanny I, I said Fanny's that wrong, but I apologize Alexander, yeah but, but yes. I know what you I knew what you meant yeah because uh, I have very like specific mental memories of images and scenes from that movie right that, that remind me of a movie of a pace with like I don't know like this one there's just a lot of yelling even though there's not actually that much yelling, it feels like there's a lot of <laughs> right. yelling in this movie. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, this has happened before, and it happens to me, especially in these high drama movie, like high tension movies like this. But, like, I walk away going, boy, there's a lot of angry people yelling at each other in these movies. Yeah. There really isn't actually. Like, the movie doesn't really have that much yelling. But the the acting gives off a vibe of everybody kind of being... I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I, I, and it's possible I'm also bringing a lot of personal mental things into this, which I'm willing to admit. That's also why I don't like high tension family dramas. Period. Right. I just don't. Right. Beyond the capacity of the movie as a good movie or a bad movie, I don't like movies like this. I do not enjoy them. And things like Frankie and Alexander are special exceptions to that because the director did something I found really visually and sort of interesting to engage with. Um, these kinds of movies, generally, I don't like. Um, right. I don't count Monsoon Wedding in that because Monsoon Wedding is a whole different thing. There's a sort of level of humor there. There's a quirkiness to it that like makes it fun to watch. Um, that it's not just a straightforward like. Right. right. Boom! Here's and, a fucked up family. Watch them get angry at each other for an hour and a half, two hours. And also, the most recent movie like this that I have watched and enjoyed, uh, I would count as Knives Out. Right. And that's obviously got its oh, own yeah, quirky, but that's so, that's quirky a, that's stuff comedy, going right? on around yeah. it too, right? Like yeah. I will, I will, uh, yeah. Daniel Craig doing a weird accent yeah, is yeah. the greatest thing that's ever happened on Earth, and I will, right. I will. That's a hill <laughs> yeah. I'll die on for. That's obviously. I cannot wait for the second one. I'm so excited. I right. That is obviously also, while its family being angry at each other is a major portion of that ensemble cast it is a large ensemble comedy more than more yeah than a yeah exactly drama. yeah it, it's more it's more in the vein of clue than it is in the vein of uh, right right of right, right 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 uh the uh the criterion essay for this one 
uh, brings up The Family Stone, which came out in 2006, which I'm not sure I've ever seen. I've so, never seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So. But that sort of that sort of everyone yelling at each other ensemble movie is, yeah. is definitely well, and, one and of again, those. Well, and again, in hindsight, if I were to go back and catalog it, there's actually not that much yelling in this movie. No, but because there, really there, there But because there's just enough, and there's enough obvious anger, like yes. on screen, and I guess which you can count as a definite success of the movie in the sense that like the acting is, I think a little overdone, but pretty there good is, in general. There's a lot of there is a lot of seething disdain in this yes, movie, yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously, you know, the main conflicts of this movie are that seething disdain. So, I would argue that I think Junon is that how you say her name? Yeah, Junon. Uh, yeah. June would be the the yeah. English translation. Of um, that. I think they're. I think they both do a really excellent job in this movie yeah. acting. Uh, they are. I think they carry off their emotional the emotional content of the roles a lot better than. I find Henri to be just a little over the top. I find his acting to be, right on the edge of being almost like, too over the top. Like to be like, I I had trouble engaging with it because it didn't feel always 100% real to me. Um yeah. Whereas both of them I think carried off. Uh um I it's sort of it's a kind of a mixed bag I think in terms of like honestly from me a mixed bag when it comes to the sort of the acting in the movie. Um I I think Abel's fine but like Abel's part is so low key in a lot of ways that it's hard to say. Um I don't know. It's it's I I don't know. I I don't know. I I it's really hard for me to separate my sort of dislike of this kind of film from what I think is technically fine. I think it's a technically good movie. I think a lot of people do believe that. I mean, the movie won a lot of awards. People like this movie, but I I can't grasp onto what's special about it. Yeah. Um Yeah, and that's interesting because you know, I think about something like The Ice Storm and what really turns you and I off about a lot of these movies is that it's just, it ends up being families in a social socioeconomic class that we just don't care about their problems. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> because and, all of and, their problems and, are, are bourgeois problems in a bourgeois yes. world. And just think about yourselves. And I don't have that complaint about this one. I really don't. No, it doesn't. I I would say that it it has a different complaint than that. I I totally right. agree with you, and I think that is a problem with a lot of them, and I think some of the ones we named have that, uh, but we but escape it through some some magical work of the way that right, they right, right, they present right. the story. It becomes interesting again because their their problems aren't a function of their right. bouginess, but rather yes, something else. Certainly, even in in Yi Yi and Monsoon Wedding, they are. They're, upper they're class pretty bougie, families. yeah. Mid, like middle, I mean, <laughs> middle and, upper class. And the Bergman films are always about right, fairly right. bougie families, right, because and that's... the movies are successful, sort of despite that, not because of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And, and so also... it's not that, but but that that extra layer of what I I I I now think of, I guess, as French pretension in the sort of like conversations and the topics of discussion and things like that gives it an air of that, despite this not being that kind of that really that kind of family. Like I could just, I can only listen to people like like fucking like trot out Nietzsche uh, Nietzsche and like yeah. things like that in a film so much before I'm like who are you what is well, this 
person where what 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 alien world did you escape from like i don't understand anything about you i think the nietzsche stuff is maybe thematically appropriate though because i'm not the, saying it's not the major conflict of this movie is the random affliction of leukemia right right and yeah. that and that it childhood cancer is <laughs> is uh a really great reason uh, to take a Nietzschean approach to God. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, so. I'm not saying that, like, I don't think that, like, the, our creator, our director or anything like that picked a, like, I don't think they, I don't think there was a mistake. Right, and of sense. course, I, I'm of course there's that, also, like, it doesn't feel real to me is right. my problem. Unlike, unlike Berg, Bergman, no one in this movie is going through a religious con- uh, uh, and conflict. I think that's part of the problem, of, honestly right. speaking. I think that, like, I think that this, I, yeah, okay. the, I think the that mass... this movie doesn't actually a hundred percent understand or know how to reckon with the way a family would actually deal with those things. It makes, it makes jokes about the mom's anti-Semitic view of the girlfriend, right? Yeah. Um, and and it makes little jokes about Catholic. Uh, or or about religion generally, in that uh, the mom's anti-Semitism, uh, and you know, Henri calls him calls her out for this, but she's calling him her little Jew, and she says, "I'm the only." He says, "I'm the only practicing Catholic in this family." Um, but then they, you know, three of them go to to mass, the Christmas mass, which is obviously a special exception to, right. you know, that's more of a cultural thing in yes. France, I'm sure. Uh, than uh, than an actual religious thing, but it's not like what happens at mass has any bearing on the plot, other than mm. it gives time for Simon to disappear. Right when they get right, back from and, mass. and I think that's kind of my, I don't know, I man, I oh boy, it's hard to like really nail down this movie in a lot of ways for me. Um, I think that's like part of the problem, right? Is like it feels like a lot of things are going on. That are just part of the plot and not like part of the world. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like like things that should have more of of a personal effect on our characters than than they are having. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I mean, like it it it, it like the movie seems to be in, once it wants to engage with the ripple effect of this um about the childhood leukemia and then sort of this sort of like time like things come around again and like the mother has it and like how like all like the root of almost all of the anger in the family comes from the way the family handled that childhood affliction right and and certainly that's not an, a not a wrong thing to like that's the yeah okay yeah but like i don't feel like the movie really reckons with that and then interesting way because it 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 doesn't yeah it doesn't feel like things doesn't feel like anybody anything's affecting anyone really right and it doesn't even like elizabeth has that background guilt of what it is but we don't really get any any specifics and she's the only one who's old enough to have been really directly affected by the death, right? Right, right. Um, And like and and we get the fact we get hints of it. We get shadows of it in sort of the way that her her melancholia and stuff like that but like we don't recognize it in any meaningful way yeah and of course we meet her in a therapy session right where she's she she's openly talking about it too but the fact that 
the parents tried to breed their way to a cure for for that leukemia. Yeah, is is yeah. Is, is something that maybe should be talked about as a long term well, like, effect on the, the psyche of this family. Take a, right? What the movie wants you to take away with it is like that's why they're all fucked up. Is it like they're all everybody exists because other, beyond Elizabeth, everybody exists as a as a a an effort to save this first boy, right? Yeah. We're just gonna breed our way out of this problem, and so everybody, and so the movie wants you to kind of take away like uh, everybody has a certain sort of like feeling of like well I was just breed stock I was just right. but like the, I don't think the movie emotionally carries that off actually I don't think like think we so. get it well I don't think it's well articulated by the movie given all of the shadow of death in this movie I think you're right because it's not just the oldest son James I think was the name uh, yeah, uh no uh, jo- Joseph Joseph yeah Joseph you're right um, it's also Simon's parents. Simon lived with them for a time because Simon's parents died, right? And he right. he's their cousin, but, but he was orphaned. There's Henri's first wife, which is meant to, is is portrayed as the moment where his life really went off the rails. Right. But but they were only married for a month and his family, despite basically banning him from the house, still has multiple pictures of his dead wife. Yeah, uh, I, and and I think that's what we're kind of getting into is like what I would argue is that not to interrupt you, sorry, but no, like, by all means, where I'm getting into kind of mentally is like there's too much of that in this movie. The movie yeah. has too much. The movie is there's I too think much. playing its hand too hard. It's like okay, we're gonna jam, we're gonna shove so much fucking death into this movie, or and like and the pathos that comes along with that that like. It's too much. It doesn't feel yeah. real anymore. The the you could have this entire movie. You could strip out everything that happens afterwards in terms of death and despair and have just that childhood illness and then show the family 20 years on. Right. That'd be enough. There's enough Simon, there's enough there. Simon's family doesn't even have to be dead for the plot of this movie. No. Right? No. It's just it's what I'm saying. It's it doesn't just really so much, make sense. So much, but also it, but also, would, Simon himself doesn't have any long-term effects from the death of his family, seemingly. No, Simon's no. problems are an unrequited, unrequited love for his cousin's wife. Uh, right, and, and that's what I'm saying. I Here, okay. I would argue that at a different time, in a different place, this is just a bad Lifetime movie. <laughs> uh, I, I think given the amount of background death, I agree with you. Uh, to a I mean, like, extent. what it, it almost it's got this weird it's on this weird ragged edge between like, oh, I need to make sure that everybody in this movie has a tragic backstory. Everybody and not just the tragic backstory that they all share at a common point in their family history, which is fine. Right. Every family has things that happen that change the family dynamic. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that in a film. But then they keep stacking it up so that every individual beyond that has other new horrible traumas that sort of extenuate that out and like express it and like change their dynamic independently of each other some more than others right as you pointed out simon has apparently it doesn't matter like right right. it exists as a thing but it doesn't matter and of course ivan as sort of the replacement child uh 
right? Because he's the last born. Well, here. I mean, but he was also meant to be breed stock and came too late, right? Like that's even. It's, well, wasn't it's it? really fucked. Up. No, they say to Ivan at one point that he just was born too late. Because yes, remember, she was pregnant with him when Joseph died. Right, 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 right. And and I think to a certain extent, like there's there's just there's so much that the movie could have grappled with, but it it because it jammed itself so full of these tragedies, it didn't have time to spend grappling with each with any individual tragedy, right? Like we can we as the audience can read extra things into it. Like well we can say, like, okay, well, like uh Janone's her her a lot of her anger and stuff comes from the fact that like she, for example, I, you would, I assume comes from the fact that like her, she couldn't go visit her son in the hospital because she was pregnant and taking care of other children, many of whom right. existed just to try to save that son. Right, right. She right, was deprived right. of being with that son to save that son, right? And that sort of stuff. Right, fine. We can read that as an audience. We get very little of that in the movie because the movie doesn't have time for it. We probably didn't need all... Honestly speaking, the movie probably didn't need all these sort of romantic interleavings between cousins and all that. Like, all that is... And then, like, all these extra people who died. Like, like the... Henri's first wife dying is just feels like such a, like... A, like When you find out in the movie, you're kind of like, what? 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 Yeah. What? Given... Uh... For conservation of motive, I guess. <laughs> right. Henri's alcoholism and trauma could just as easily have been chalked up to the fact that he was born out of a plan to save his older brother, and Which that did not happen. Do. Yes, well, right. exactly. And I think that's all the movie needed. And then they right. just chalk it on later. It's like, oh, also my first wife died after a month of us being married. Right. And him? Like... And I was, okay. I was fully, I was fully on board and fine with him just being uh, a drunk uh, screw up. And and then it's you know we're like an hour and a half in before we find out that it's, yeah that's what that I'm he saying. has a wife and I and that's what I'm saying the movie keeps spiraling things out yeah like we've get we've got this we've got that we find out that Simon's parents are dead and like. But that's not really relevant. And then we find out that there's this whole secondary romantic plot between people. Like we don't, we don't ever, we yeah. on purpose don't investigate the relationship between Elizabeth and Henri, which is fine. We don't need to. But I don't know. It starts to feel like did we not do that because we didn't want to, or did we not do it because we didn't have time to? Um, and like I don't. Know. It's a. Huh. All I can say is that, like, it there just feels like there's too much in this movie. It just it's too much. I I agree. Um, which is the only place where I think it's interesting that Criterion paired this with a documentary from our same director called right. Lamy, uh, where it is. He had. <laughs> it's hard to How describe, just, right? It is very hard to uh, describe. Certainly concisely, but but at its heart. Uh he had approached his dad who had just sold their house. Um and w- as his father was packing up the house, uh they uh were discovering a lot of old family photos and talking about the history right. of his dad's family and the fact that his his dad's mother had died when he was very young. Um 
And there are certainly interesting aspects to that story. I think it's very fascinating that his father later visited the sanitarium that she died in as a salesperson. Uh, right. And going through the entire hospital where she had been, but he's trying to sell pills. Uh, and maybe a, a, a deeper exploration of what that meant. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Might have been more interesting. You know, but it is essentially an hour of people looking at old family photos. Right. And, and uh, my, my only issue with that, and like I get I get exactly where the motive for making something like that comes from. Yeah. But at the same time, I found it boring in a way that I is unusual. It's not it's not uh, it's not a particularly boring piece in and of itself. It's boring because you're watching this other family that you have no vested personal interest in. Right. That is going through the same thing that every family goes through. Like every right. family right. has these kinds of things in it. It's normal. There's... And in that sense, if that documentary were a standalone thing that we were watching, I think I'd be much more engaged with it. But I'd also just watch two and a half hours of right, other right, movie. Right. But and it, like it does seem to me that the complexity of that entire family history is what leads him to make a Christmas yeah. tale in parts, yeah. right? But but the thing about it is is where I think he's lost it and I think this is like for real his his um his family story while complicated feels normal. Mm-hmm. Like it, like if you dig back in your family or any family most family histories especially prior to like a major uptick in infant mortality rate and things like yeah. that are like this. Yeah. You know and what the, I mean? Like they they're all like this. Like my family's like this. Like yeah, maybe not quite as much. His has a particularly high ratio it feels like. But if I start digging into my aunts, uncles, cousins, great like not so much aunts and uncles but like great aunts, great uncles, great grandmothers yeah. and things like that. We start getting into like, oh yeah, and then there here's the list of 17 children that died kind of thing. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's or here's the list of like the people who died in childbirth or died of a disease that we would consider we don't like what I'm saying is that most family histories kind of become this yeah. if you go far enough back because that's just the and, nature and of no, life at that time. Right. What And that's what makes what, it kind of oh, go ahead. What Armand's uh or what Arnaud's grandmother died of, we don't no, we don't necessarily. Know. Yeah, we right? don't. Not really. But like you can take does, some guesses. But yeah, the fact that she's ended up in a sanitarium means that it could very well just be a physical manifestation of postpartum depression that got to her. It could right? have been. You know, sanitariums um, were are, were like long. You know, they were also, hospices. Right, right, like right. I mean, right, she right. may have had. They are oh, catch-alls. Man, there's a result. million things. She Given the had. timing, we will never know. It could be any number of diseases. Right? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, but obviously I think the only, the only thing I, I pull away from watching that documentary is that a Christmas tale wants to be a complex family. Uh, but it's so he's shoving all the complexities into a single generation in a way. Right. That yeah. That's the issue. Right. Yeah. You're right. Also and, maybe and, an issue. Yeah. And, and, and it's the wrong generation. Right. Like, right, right. like what I'm saying is, is that if he. If he, boy, like I love playing armchair quarterback on this. Part of the problem is the timing's wrong, right? Like those sorts of things, while I'm not saying families now don't have those complexities, especially considering the current state of certain places, medical care systems and things like that. Yeah, like the U.S. 
That's uh, what I'm talking about. I'm specifically yeah. talking about the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, is uh, while it's not saying that tragedies like that don't happen, he, he's talking about a time where, like, in the documentary, he's referencing a time where they put people in sanitariums with, like, quote-unquote ailments, right? Like, yeah. they don't have a specific diagnosis. They don't have all these, like, a lot of this information that 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 we have in the movie that we watched, right? Because they know what these things are. But they are kind of trying to give it the air of, I don't know, it, it just feels like a story out of place. And even and again, you're right, like jamming it all into one generation is also problematic. It's like, well, right. and then everybody died on the Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, watching uh, An Odd's Tale, the, the other special feature that we have, uh, it becomes pretty clear that I feel like he's not being honest with himself about the reasons he made this movie when he talks oh, see, about Was that like I didn't see that one. What was that was an odd tale oh. was So uh so there were two bonus features. Well there were actually three things. The there one. was there was the trailer is on the DVD. Yeah, I didn't watch the trailer. I never watched um, the trailer because yeah, like, there's no that's reason just really to watch time. it. Um and then there's there's what we ended up watching with the with uh Christmas Tale the and me. the the Ami. Yeah. I didn't see the other one. Yeah. Uh, well, it exists. I'm sorry that you missed okay. it. Uh, it is on Criterion Channel as well, so you weird. shouldn't have, but uh, I, it is that's, there. I'm really weirded out because I went and flipped through and I didn't see it, so yeah. I, maybe I was just tired and I missed it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. In any case, uh, it is it is interviews with, um, with actors. Uh, <coughs> the woman who plays Ju- uh, Junon, uh, the guy who plays Henri, uh, particularly. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if they really talked to anyone else besides those two. And with... Uh, with our director, Depletion. Um, and he talks about basically how he frames how this movie came together is that he wanted to make something like The Ice Storm or The Family Stone of this big Thanksgiving get-together film of family coming together. And he wanted to make something family coming together. But he doesn't make any references to personal family. And obviously, with that framing and with La Mie, uh, you can see part of this motivation is learning about all of this extended family and right. wishing that they could be in the same room together, right? Uh, right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, he doesn't make reference to anything particularly. I don't think he even says the family stone particularly. Um, and he certainly doesn't say the royal Tannenbaums particularly. Even though no, it's pretty, no, yeah. It's, it's almost clear that this is working from the same outline as the, as right. the royal yeah, Tannenbaums. Yeah, no, totally, 100%. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, well, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't watch that extra bonus, that one, but, like, right. you can just see, there's it's obvious, right? You watch Lay on Me, there's a reason why they put that as a bonus right. feature on right, this right, right, movie. Right. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, it's obvious what the motivations are here. Yeah. My and issue is that I don't think he successfully does that. Right. I right. don't think it is, I, I don't think the fundamental, what we are reading as the purpose of this movie is successful because legitimately, again, Lami, my problem with it was more a function of being too tired to watch, like really engage right, with right, what right, would have right, actually right, been right, kind right, of right, interesting. Right. People telling their family stories can be very interesting. Yeah. The way it goes through it is a little disjointed, which makes it a little bit hard to follow as well. But it is still, it is an, a neat documentary. It's a, it's a neat in conception. 
especially when you start to recognize like, oh, well, like every family's story is kind of like this. I can like read my own family story right, into right, things like right. this. It can kind of engage with the idea of thinking about your own family and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with this documentary, plain and simple. But then as a motivation for making the film that we watched, we run into a hiccup because the film is not that documentary it's not it doesn't right. have the same and doesn't, reality and doesn't really the documentary has right doesn't deal with the same obviously within the film we do get a little bit of looking at past pictures but it's even that same generation of pictures it is just Henri's wife those are the pictures we look at right and they've uh, simplified it down right it's not it's right. not a it's not a long family history of tragedy right. that like is kind of sprawled out behind you both like right throughout history and also laterally across generations as a sort of you know bands across each generation, it's whack like one one slap right there in the middle like okay and then it feels like it feels like if you were to look at the timeline there was a person dying every two years in this family like it's <laughs> like whoa like that's a lot yeah yeah right especially you know with Simon's parents being in there it's just very yeah well uh, I mean. Yeah, you know, we've kind of identified it, but, like, if you took out Simon's yeah. parents, if you took out Henri's wife, and I, I would argue you take out the, the somewhat strange, like, romance thing that doesn't seem to fit the rest of the film, but you could leave it in there, but, like, it doesn't really feel I, like it's a piece, but... I think it it works to have... To have a conflict for the rest of the family, I think. No, I agree. But I think that I think that's a function. I would argue that's a function of having too many characters. Right. Exactly. That's 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 what I'm saying. Is I think you. I agree. Yes, you you are right. It's in there because they needed something in the back half of the movie for everybody else to be be doing. doing, Yeah, and 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 that's problematic. I I I don't. Yeah. A movie about that in the in and of itself, a separate film about that, it would not be bad either. But like, it's. It's the sort of also ran of this film. It's, yeah, <laughs> there's just there's a lot of movie in this movie. Yeah, you're certainly yeah. getting your buddy's worth on this one. Like, you get three movies in one. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a lot, uh, and and it it can be very overwhelming. And that and to me, I say, um, I I said like, well, it reminds me of like what a um. No, now I, I blanked on the name of that channel. Uh, Lifetime. I don't, yeah, Lifetime. I don't get any of these channels. Okay, I haven't seen any right. of these channels in in a. I get what shows up on Hulu after that, <laughs> after it airs on Lifetime or whatever, right? Um, I, I, it's not quite one of those. I don't know how to explain what it is, but there's a certain sort of when you jam pack a movie that tight, it develops a sort of like air of schlockiness. Because it feels like the writer slash director didn't know when to stop. Right, right. And then suddenly you're like dating a ghost on Christmas Eve. Well, you know, that's another Bergman influence, I'm sure. I think that there is a lot of good story stuff in here. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think there's any bad story stuff in here. No, there's just too much story stuff in here. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes, that's exactly where I'm mentally at with it as well. And there's stuff that we really just don't need. Like, Spotifora. Like, why is he there? Who is he? He shows up. We mention him Which once as an one? old. He's the old friend who has a conversation with Simon, uh, and he has, for whatever reason, brought a gift for Junon and a gift for Elizabeth, and that is it. And he does not give them directly. 
and they make a joke that it probably I fell off a truck. Completely forgot. I remember <clears throat> that conversation. I completely forgot right. about and it's, it's how perf- that came to pass. It is perfume for Junyan, and it is uh, a really fancy necklace, actually, uh, for for a nice-looking necklace for Elizabeth that she looks at weird, and then we don't... There's no repercussions with it. for yeah. any of that well, stuff. Welcome to this movie. <laughs> right, Here's right. something weird. We're not going to... We don't have time to engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this implication that he had a crush on Elizabeth at some point in the past, sure. But we're not engaging with any of that. Um, and, you know, I'm happy that it's not someone else who has a crush on Sylvia. That's nice. But... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Um... And I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. There is, yeah. There is yep, just I'm a there lot too. going That's on. That's where it's I am, true. too. You're, you're 100%. I agree with that. Generally, I think I reacted more positively to this movie than you did in that I wasn't just turned off by it. But well, you're right. I, a lot of that comes from another place. That comes from right, a, right, a right, general right. disdain for, not disdain, dislike of this kind of movie. So a movie in this genre has to overwhelm a certain amount of personal um, distaste to even sort of get in the game. You know what I right, mean? Right, like right, my right, bias right, right. against this kind of movie uh, means that like they have to like win me over with something interesting that like something I can, I can sink yeah. my teeth into or else I'm just going to be like, all right, well I'm watching it. Yeah. And it turns cool. out chi- childhood cancer is not that interesting it's thing that gets thing. you involved. It's very specifically a very much of a turnoff for me in the right, opposite right, direction. Actually, right. it makes it harder for you to win, not easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that, but like, um, that I don't want to get into as part of this podcast. But my point is that like, yes, I think maybe you had a more positive attitude from the beginning, which made it a little, little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you would like write like tell your friends to right. watch this movie. I don't. I also right. I'm not gonna. There uh, are movies we watch in this that I become an almost instant evangelist for. That I'm like, right. no, everybody I know needs to take some time and like watch this. And I see something come up with about it on the internet or something. I'm like, oh, I got to get on board with this, right? Yeah. But like, this is just you know. And there are so there are so many Fine. movies like that, and there are the opposite side of movies that we absolutely hated and would would not just not recommend, but actively dissuade people from watching. Right, that yeah. is a thing that has popped up, and this yep. isn't that either. It's just sort of in that that middle and really close to the center of it's it's almost I just too don't close care to center, about right? this because right? the <laughs> ones that we hate enough that we'd actively dissuade <laughs> people from have kind of won in their own way, right? Yes. Where they're like, oh, yes. I made them. Because especially, it's very believable that that. Was I'm the still goal thinking of the movie, about those right? movies. I'm still thinking right, about exactly. those movies. Exactly, and right? in that sense, they've kind of won, right? Like that, maybe that was the goal of the director, and like, ta-da, they did it. Right, right. Um, this is just this is one of those ones that will pass into the ether, <laughs> and someone, if we, if it were to come up a year from now, I would be like, the what now? Yeah, it's almost it's almost like Monterey Pop. Just I watched it and okay I've watched it now. And yeah, it's just like yeah, you know, like those Pennebreaker live live uh, live music things that I'm just yeah, like, yeah okay well I guess I well, understand yeah, why it's here uh, yeah <laughs> but, yeah um, and then I get why this I mean this one feels like it's here because like it seems like this movie was a big success like it seems like people yeah. really gravitated like to it and liked it. 
I wonder if, I, you know, a thing that we always, we don't grapple with all the time, but we do grapple with sometimes is that, like, there's a certain amount of zeitgeist that goes into why movies we watch are popular at the time that they come out and things like that. And I wonder if some of that's that, that, like, this hit a right note at a right time that, like, critically it was very, and no, I let's, assume, otherwise successful. Let's unpack that maybe a little bit. So Philip Lapote's essay for this um, has a paragraph that, that says, Recently, the impulse to tackle intergenerational narratives may say something about the state of French politics or a conserving impulse, even on the part of left-wing filmmakers, toward traditional culture at a moment when globalization is eroding any sense of national identity. <clears throat> okay. now, he obviously goes on from there. And there's a lot to unpack with that sentence, but... There's a lot to unpack with yeah, that sentence. But thinking about uh, the struggle between intergenerational uh, conserving impulses, to use his word, uh, versus globalization, we get that sort of thing in Yi Yi and Monsoon Wedding, right? Right. Uh, I, I think reckoned with better. <laughs> but. And I do think reckoned with better. Uh, but also, I think that... In 2008, uh, I think that's a misread of a French film. That ship has way sailed in France. Yeah, that's definitely true. And also, I think, in general, honestly speaking, I think that's a bad read of a French film, almost regardless of the time, when you consider France is one of the globalizing influencers (laughs) rather than one of the globalized. Like, France is is a part of what makes that happen to other countries. Not, like, that's a classic, like, hyper like again i'm not accusing this author of anything that that is a hyper national chauvinistic read of like oh we've expanded our 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 cultural influence over the world and some of that has meant that we've picked up some things from some other countries that have maybe altered our culture a little bit this is the end of the world now the last couple goddard films we we watched are definitely definitely about uh american hegemony impacting French, France, right? right? Uh, and of well, course, there's hierarchies to all of yeah. these things, and, right? And of course, one could make an argument that the creation of the EU is a, uh, is a direct uh, <laughs> attack on nationalism within Europe, right? It is to dissolve nationalism right. uh, between European states. Uh, but as you said... As far as what Lapote said in that sentence, that ship sailed for France decades before. A very in, long time ago. Right, right yeah. at least. And also very much in many ways by France's own like efforts, right? Like, right, 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 right. Like, again, France is not a country, that, by and large, a country that had things done to it in terms of globalization and cultural sort of uh, hegemony as much as it is a country right. that did things to other people and as a result became a different country from the act of doing things. Right. right? Like it turns out the perpetrator of things are also changed by the things that they do yeah. <laughs> along with the people that they, they actually hurt. But, um, but it, even it, thinking it is, about, uh, uh, not to keep on harping with, with Gigi and Monsoon wedding, but even those movies are, you know, half a decade, a full decade before this, right? Yes, and even and, yeah, even Tannenbaum's was two thousand one. Well, but uh, like something something like Yee Yee dealing with Hong Kong, 
dealing with Hong Kong, and the, these right. are countries that have ongoing things happening to them. Yeah. It would be a different movie now, but you could still make a movie about the process that is happening to them that is, to a certain extent, out of their control. Right. That is, that is not a thing of their own creation. Not, not, not a thing that, you know, about what are essentially colonization and, yes. and sort of the, the results of imperialism France. Uh, and ongoing imperialism. It's not a thing that France could talk about. France has not been and, colonized and by globalization. No, uh, exactly. unless unless we're going down a real real bad right wing rabbit hole on what any of those words mean. Right, right, exactly. Uh, now, I will argue that there's a sort of sort of hierarchy even among the colonizers, right? Like it's right, not a it's not right, a flat right, right, two player right. game. Like America does the things, to a certain extent the things Goddard had hegemony. Said, yeah. It's not Goddard's not wrong, okay? Goddard wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh but like the point is that like if that I think that's a bad read of the it, it's not necessarily a bad read of the movie because I can I can see the argument I can see that you could definitely say that that is maybe what the director is trying to say yeah to a certain extent but that would make the director wrong <laughs> instead yeah. of the instead of the film critic right right that's and one having, one of them is wrong yeah and considering the only other work we've seen from that director is a one hour documentary on his own on his family packing up their right their family home well and, uh, and i would say that yeah that family packing up their home if you read into it deeper has that sort of melancholy of like this is what we've lost this is our yeah but there's that is fading away there's and no you have to read really hard on it there's like, no external forces that are causing them to well, be forced out I, of that family home right no so, no that's i mean yeah no, so there's not. Right, you, I right. mean, that's why I say it's a pretty hard read. What, but you could maybe say like, "Oh, well, they kind of ad, have to leave" or whatever. Admittedly, as with any time uh, I have ever read you one line or one paragraph out of a Criterion essay, I am taking that out of a broader context. I understand that. I understand. But that. which is why I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt that yeah. maybe our critic is not the one who maybe is saying something that is wrong. You know yeah, I mean? but like I also, maybe, I, I just don't get. I don't think that that's what. Yeah, I don't. I, I will. I, I, I will say, there is to a certain extent a sort of feeling with when you start tagging on all this sort of kind of very bougie sort of cultural references and stuff. There, you could argue, there's a feeling of this movie being about like about sort of like wanting to like kind of reflect on and pull in like. French history. I don't think that's the main thrust of the film. I don't think. Certainly. I don't think. I don't get a political metaphor from this movie. Probably I really not. don't. I honestly. And I, I don't. And I you know, really. listen. Uh, obviously, we are two people who read political metaphor into anything. Uh, yeah, we're. It's really, I don't really our kind of only hobby. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think that our director meant anything like that here. And in fact, there are opportunities where he did make choices where he could explore something like that. Because if we're talking about them only going to mass out of some sort of French tradition of going to midnight mass, being a Catholic country, maybe it is interesting that the priest in charge of that mass is uh, seems to be Afro-Caribbean uh, and is very right, dark-skinned, yeah. right? But that's not something the movie comments on. It's just something that exists, and I love that it just exists and isn't commented on. Because right, that right. Is like the movie, yes, the world it, as it is, is and needs to be. Of that. Right, right. 
which which is why I think that this movie is just trying to show the world as it is, and that's really all he's trying right. to do. Right, and I think, I, right, yes, I would agree. And I think one of the things that we've identified as a problem otherwise is the fact that the movie, in many ways, wants to have that cake, which is like, this is just our world. This is the world we're in. I'm just showing the world as it is right now without necessarily trying to make judgments about it. Right. Mixing that with a, a what is a fundamentally kind of a hyper-unrealistic family dynamic and, like, series of events kind of def- kind of works in his like not, what's the opposite yeah. works in his favor like, Det- uh, to his detriment th- yeah it works to his detriment like it's yeah. it's it feels weird because you have a very what seemingly is a very we- real world out there that a our family doesn't interact with that much and b is got a family packed inside of it that is like in like some sort of weird no novels type hyper trauma loop like of like everything bad that could happen happened right, to this family right, right. this year on yeah you know, yeah and i mean it lapote does talk about its place in sort of relationship to uh the new wave and uh And in that bonus feature that you didn't watch, Desplechen himself talks about his relationship to the new wave. And it is maybe interesting as a counterpoint to the new wave because, you know, things that that either of them talked about uh, include, like, the fact that, you know, if we look at Goddard particularly, um, Mm -hmm. to a certain lesser extent, Truffaut, because Truffaut's big break is certainly a family drama too, right? 400 blows is is a yes yeah a movie about a family um but they're not generally interested in parents and grandparents of their characters right, right. right? uh not those those relationships don't really well exist. there's definitely a clear break that, that yeah like the french new wave is 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 a is fundamentally about a different thing right in that right, way right, right? right it's about and it's, it's about coming this from a different generation era, what's happening right? to this generation right, right, right. now and uh, Arnaud Despletchen was born in 1960, right? He's 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 born at the high water mark of the French New Wave, so you know right. he's not he's not learning under these people any more than you and I are learning under Steven Spielberg. You know, watching <laughs> right, 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 watching right, his yeah. movies. Um, but uh, another aspect that that they both say you know sort of sets it apart is this is this is a movie that is pretty heavily indebted to Freudian psychology too, right? Um, yes, yeah. Uh, Which it come, comes with its own set of weird, uncomfortable badge- baggage right, that, right, like, we right, don't, right. that I find very problematic. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know. And that's probably um, part of the problem, honestly. That's probably part of what we're grappling with when we talk about like a sort of how we feel about the movie is that like it operates in a sort of space, sort of evaluating people psychologically in a way that I don't find to be compelling in right. in terms of like arguments about the way human beings work. Um yeah, but also it's it's most overt Freudian stuff isn't really super important to the plot either. Like no, when, no, not really. Like, but, yeah. like when Junan and uh uh Faina, uh Henri's girlfriend, are out uh-huh. together for whatever reason. 
uh, just to have a new pairing of characters. For yeah, us. it's like yeah, it's just like uh, can have a conversation that like the movie hasn't been able to have yet. Right, right. And and mom says, "Oh, I always wondered what Henri was like in bed." Yeah, like, I mean, th- shit like that. Okay, but okay. So can I point out though that that like when I talk about like weird French film bullshit, that's one of those things <laughs> right, too, right? right? right like, right. like no mother has. That's batshit insane. Well, I'm not gonna say no mother has ever, but like I'm gonna say that like that's that is a movie in and of itself. If that's the dynamic that ex- that like even if that's even a part of the dynamic of that family, that's a thing that the movie doesn't bother to grapple with, but is should be important probably. Like yeah, I don't know. It's like it's just another it, thing thrown into the pile in this movie. It does seem that. Junon as a character sometimes just says garbage. Uh, right, right. right. Which Particularly in her relationship is... with Henri, uh, where it's a back and forth that they have, right? Uh, but the idea that she would say something like that, uh, well, and then she sort of disappears too. So maybe it is that she said that to try to get rid of this woman. <laughs> Right, to scare her off. Maybe it's it's really hard to say because like, yeah, I could also buy into the idea that this is just a weird personality trait thing right, where like, right, she right. gets uncomfortable or whatever and says shit, or maybe she says shit purposely to make people uncomfortable. And we have already something she enjoys. We've already or, had or her conversation. We've already had her conversation with Henri where she has uh, hinted at an uncomfortableness with. Uh, Fania being Jewish, and we right. started and, and this conversation itself with a conversation about how Fania, Fania does not intend to buy anyone presents, and Janani uh, right, even right. says, "Even the kids, even me." Um, right? Yeah, and 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 like, and that there would be nothing wrong with a movie about that. Right, 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 right. The problem yeah. is that like. Right, that's just, we just one keep more stacking up one more thing. It's just so right. many things in this movie. One more like, unresolved thing. This is thing. too much. And of course, part of the point of this movie is that it all ends unresolved, right? Henri, you know, mom's got a 50-50 sense, chance of dying. Henri flips a coin and asks her to call and she calls heads and he refuses to show what it uh, what it went and right, you right, know, right. the last time we see him is just smiling covering the coin. It is about the uncertainty of life moving forward. Uh, we get uh, Sylvia and <laughs> the whole yeah the whole ending of Sylvia and Simon, uh, and that whole thing is its own. I don't even know what the movie <laughs> wants right. us to play. It's very French. I'll I'll give it that. Yeah. But they they sleep with one I another, mean- uh, and are still asleep. And Ivan and the kids make them coffee and deliver it to them while they are in bed together. Uh, and right. Ivan just like smiles, um, and th- and then later he and her have a conversation at the place where he first asked her out, and they're like in a good place, and he doesn't really, he's not bothered by the right. Situation. And there's nothing wrong, like right, it, nothing wrong my, with him not issue, being bothered by it. <laughs> there's just too, it's just too much. The movie is just right. too much. Like that's right. a whole movie by itself. That like fam, that dynamic inside of the that those those three people or that like those children could be enough for a movie it's just yeah. enough for an entire movie that you would watch and you would see people reckoning with like feelings that they didn't deal with 20 years ago people got married 
but there were feelings that didn't get dealt with. Right. Great. Fine. That's a movie right there. And you there got is, yourself a movie. And Rosa May uh, is the person who, who kicks off sort of that string of the movie. And her own previous generation uh, love that we don't know what to do with. You know, she's heavily implied to have had a lesbian relationship with uh, right. with Abel's mom. Uh, and that itself, you know, that that whole narrative arc makes sense. That thing we don't yeah, deal with. It all makes sense. Uh, uh-huh. And it would all make a lot more sense if it were its own plot in a standalone movie. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you could, that could essentially be the start of your movie. And, like, you get this family together. And then this, grand, this like, sort of family-adjacent grandma-type figure kicks off people that like exploring like feelings that they haven't reckoned with in right. the 20 years right. that they've been together or whatever. Fine. That's a movie. Good job. You found a movie. Like it's like please stop making movie. Like please stop adding movie to your movie. For the love yeah. of God, just like make one movie. So, I um, mean perhaps in that regard, it's great that Criterion is not currently showing us any other Desplechin movies because we've already seen 5 of them. Uh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> I what I actually what I was talking about when I was talking about the zeitgeist, sort of a, like kind of a final thought on this is, I wonder if we were to go back, if we were to transport ourselves back and get enough sort of information about film at the time that we're talking about, if we would discover to a certain extent that, like movies with this sort of, I wonder if this was of a piece of the time in terms of like. Was this what was like the going idea of like what a good film is? Like lots and lots of different things that don't get resolved that like are kind of messy. Because you know what I mean? Like this movie was very well received. Right. And I don't think it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying I don't get it. I don't know why you would like call this a masterpiece of any sort. Like, but boy, howdy, did it get a lot of awards. Which means a lot of people thought it was really, really good. And and so that I think that to a certain extent, at least mentally, is worth exploring because like clearly people really really liked it. It's on a lot of top ten lists. Um, it's on. It got a lot of film critic type things. Got the Golden Palm. I was nominated for the Golden Palm. Nominated like they're not the top awards. Like don't get me wrong, it's not. But like they're they're not nothing. Um, lots of best foreign language film type things. And I wonder if for people at a certain time in a certain place when this movie was released, which was not that long ago, 2008 is right, like within right. our lifetimes. We we should remember that zeitgeist. I was here already. Like I was living in Japan at that point even. Like this is not an old film. Do you think this fits into – but I hadn't really started exploring film in the depth that I have spent the last what, however many years, eight years exploring film now right right the film was more of a background subject rather than a foreground subject at the time does that is this film a piece with other things of the era um 10 12 years ago 15, so i was 14 years ago to try to answer that question the uh impossible question that cannot be answered i just i pose to you i decided and, 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 and right um i decided to look particularly at at french films of 2008 uh-huh uh, which is how I've discovered that uh, Taken was 
a French production because <laughs> that came out in 2008. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Country of origin is France. Uh, I've never seen Taken. In... Is Taken of a piece with this? Is there a lot of family <laughs> dynamic drama in Taken? Uh, I mean, there is the fact that Liam Neeson is attempting to save his estranged daughter from being sold into sex slavery. Uh, that is the plot of Taken. So um, Okay, well, there you go. There is family dynamic there. <laughs> uh, but Done. yeah, we did it. <laughs> yeah, looking... I, obviously, uh, looking at, at French films from 2008, I just... I can't say that I am familiar with any of them enough right uh to uh to show a thread um so yeah that's not yeah i mean until, and that's until we get further in criteria and then we watch more 2008 movies uh i guess we right, can't really right, answer right, that yeah. question um well yeah i mean i i was trying to more mentally explore like what we know about film because like a lot of these awards came from f- uh, american film Okay, well, Places, ne- you know, things that do that deal with film in America, like Inter- Salon is is, I think, primarily a magazine intended for English, uh, audience, uh, right? Yeah, I, I thought. I think there's there was a Salon a French magazine. I I thought Salon was like I really don't know published in English. I think there is an I think there is an American magazine called Salon. Uh, but well, it wouldn't the, surprise me if there's a the, different French um, magazine called Salon. Well. Uh, here we go. This is the one, the English one, because it okay. has a, a reference on it. It says, a salon is an American politically progressive liberal news. There you and, go. All right. And then the thing disappeared. So it is the American salon. And then Slate. And then what I'm saying is a lot of a lot of English-speaking sources, because we are on the English-speaking Wikipedia page, Yeah. in some way acknowledges this is a really good film. And I'm trying to mentally figure out what those people saw that was really that really got their motor running with well, this one. Uh the only other movie in the uh, next week's movie is an Italian movie from 2008. Uh and in about I think 6 weeks we'll watch Steven Soderbergh's Che which came out in 2008. Right. But so far for the collection at least the only 2008 movie we have seen is the curious case of Benjamin Button. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh if I watched both the curious case of Benjamin Button and this and had to decide which of those movies I wanted to give an award to. Okay, I see what you I know saying. what yeah. I know what choice I would make and it would be heaping so many awards onto a Christmas tale that I never right. had to I think guess about. If, you're, if your choices are limited, right? But I'm right. assuming there are other films that were made <laughs> during right. 2008, so Right, right. Taken among them. Uh, there is a fun, a fun, a Christmas tale uh, fact on the French Wikipedia that does not pop up in the English language Wikipedia for, for okay. reasons, uh, and that is there is a section of the French Wikipedia page called mathematics. Oh yeah, I saw uh, that. I saw that in which, in which it explains that uh, when Elizabeth's husband shows up and does the whole uh, multifaceted. Uh, statistical analysis of whether what the mom should do and right. her chances, how many years she will lose on, off her life, depending on the choice she takes. Right. Uh, all of that math was done by a mathematician who would win the Fields Medal shortly after this movie came oh, out. Interesting. Um, so whereas, it's not bullshit. 
Yeah. Uh, I I could not quite right. tell because it had just. Yeah. Also, it could have been, but like, also, also, uh, I okay. No, let me let me form this. It doesn't need to be there, but Claude showing up in his ethereal, barely there relationship with this entire family, but even in particular with his wife and child. Uh, Claude showing up and that being his contribution, the first thing, is actually yeah. really great. <laughs> I really yeah. do like well, that. Well, and I, one of the things that we don't pin down in this movie is exactly how ephemeral his relationship right. with his family actually is, right? Because we get it at this very, we get a very specific right. couple of snapshots, right? Yeah. And I kind of wonder if he's just made the smart choice and just tried to avoid this fucking right. family. Right. And also when Henri actually accuses him of being that distant from the family, uh, he gets a punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. And it's like, because like Henri doesn't, what does Henri fucking know about anything, right? right like right, Henri's right, right. like, it, like the guy who's been exiled from the family for five right. years. Right. Is, like right. making claims about like, what is or is not going on in the family. But, like, I would avoid this family if I could. Yeah. Like, the the dynamics in this family, if you imagine this as a real family that exists, this family would be unbearable because there's just too much. There's just so much going on all the time with so many people. It it, it would be an un, unmanageable experiment, experience, right? Like, and, like, it... it yeah, it would be. It's just. It's the movie. The family is just pure chaos. So it's like, well, why would you ever? You would. You right. would try to escape as soon as you possibly could, right? You would. You would never come to family gatherings if you could avoid it. Um. So I. I just think it's. Uh. He shows up, does some math that I guess is real math, which yeah, is that is to me. for some reason real math. In case I, anyone wanted to check it out, our our math genius in the movie is actually doing real math for some reason. Uh, yeah, it's really fascinating. I guess they were worried that like, I I like the idea that like they were like worried about the sorts of people who would like call them out on uh, right, right on like and on I, like bad math. Like some, some love, mathematician would watch it and be like, "What the fuck is this?" I love what that means about Arnaud Desplechin's process and psychology. Well, what's fascinating to me about it, yeah, it does say a lot, right? But like. Also, I was thinking to myself, like, what if the answer had been the opposite? What if the real math worked out that, like, she should, you know what I mean? Like, because clearly yeah. the plot was already written, right? Right, like, right, right, right. If right, the right. math pointed in the wrong, I guess, I guess math is versatile enough that you could just, like, do the math in a specific right way to get the answer you want no matter what, right? Like, that's the nature. Math, despite what people might believe, is not a, like, doesn't, like, there's no such thing as, like, pure truth, right? So, like... Uh, you know, it could probably be, you could probably start the math with certain different suppositions that would give you the right answer no matter what. But I'm just fascinated by the idea of him like planning an entire movie and then getting to like bring the mathematician in the mathematician like, well, actually she shouldn't get it done. The math doesn't work out. <laughs> right, be right, like, right. Son of a bitch. It cancels the entire project. <laughs> well, actually it is kind of interesting uh, because that, <laughs> that, uh, that interview bonus feature, uh, they do talk about him. Most of this was planned, and he did have a script, but it was also very malleable. Um, and okay, but I mean, I feel like 
them trying to convince her to do this the 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 this the um pro- procedure seems like a pretty important yeah that point. that part shouldn't be malleable as much right. but he does talk it Despletchin himself says you know the the great thing about shooting on locations is that if the scene's not working in one room of the house we can try another room of the house or we can go to a cafe or we can just go to the street you know uh, whereas if they were on a set, they'd be pretty tied to the set, right? Um, right, right, right. And uh, the actors and actresses who are ta- interviewed talked about how sometimes he would show up day of with new all new dialogue for the scenes they were going to shoot that day. Uh, but what's really nice is, and and he particularly brings this up in relationship with Catherine Den- Denuve, uh, who plays Judon. Um and his respect for her as a, a powerhouse of, of French cinema, too. Uh, he talks about really having a, a communist view. Uh, he uses the word comrade, for instance, and uh, uh, of, you know, of the interplay and relationship of this being a communal activity of making this movie. Right. Um, and he talks about, you know, how his background, what he wanted to be an actor, right? And uh, it was making movies with his best friend who also wanted to be an actor and getting into and getting into movie making with him that made uh, made him comfortable. And he's not a very good actor, he says, but, but he's he wants to be in front of the camera in the same way that he wants to be behind the camera. So it's very right. equitable to him the relationship there's no there's no hierarchy on his set from from what he said uh right no one else really talks about it in those terms so i can't guarantee that that's that's real (laughs) or just him pretending that that's how it is but um but that is an interesting take on the creative process because it's a collaborative process and certainly when we talk about auteurs or when we even talk about uh i think particularly with this movie's relationship to Bergman, that becomes interesting because we have heard people talk about Bergman as pretty domineering, but we've also seen Bergman's process with his cinematographers in particular, uh, where it is a give and take, where he is yeah, willing Bergman to. Bergman seems to be a, Bergman's a real um, Bergman. Not to like totally derail towards Bergman, a person I find myself enjoying talking about more and more as time goes on, yeah. Yeah. Um, because he's so unique is that Bergman seems to very much have an idea of exactly what he wants, but that it has a certain amount of sort of fuzziness to it in in and of itself that allows a a, a process with others that like we get Bergman described as both very demanding of what he wants, but also seems very gentle at the same time. It's very Bergman's a very interesting character because we've seen, we've seen Bergman like on set. Right. And it's, it, it's not it's not a yelling screaming match you know what i right. mean like there's not and particularly where we've seen him on set of fanny and alexander right he's actually very sweet to yeah the child i mean it's actors, like it seems like know? yeah it, exactly and so like I have, it, that has given me a very positive view of his process which seems to be like i know what i want and i'm gonna get it right but also i'm not going to yell at you which is basically not a bad way to approach working with children and, Which is and like, also, you got to get what you got to get, but like also, right. like, and also, if you have a better idea, uh, 
tell it to me like yeah. five or six times. Also, especially I might start yeah, with listen. cinematographers. Yeah, right. like yeah. it's it, every cinematographer is also described that we've heard from has also described a process of being like, well, actually, like what? Do you, how do you think we should do this? Right, right, kind of right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you know, it is. I I hope that uh, Desplatoon is on the on the level. When he says, "I mean, that, we, yeah, that, that we, we don't have a lot of information, and I don't have any reason not to believe he, he is right." Um, and that you know, it. I think it is clear within this movie that everyone was having a good time making this movie. Yeah, no, I mean, the actors give a really good performance that doesn't right. seem like it's coming from a point. We've seen what happens when actors are driven by a different emotional con- connection with <laughs> right. their director. Right, 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 right. It makes a very different kind of movie. These do not feel like actors who are like in emotional distress. Yeah. Caused by their by their director. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. But they don't feel like what I feel when I see a movie with that kind of director. Right. Right. So yeah, generally this like I said, this movie has a lot of good going for it. Uh but as you said, there's just maybe too much. And, you know, and we yeah. could pretty easily tick tock back and forth and get two movies out of this. Like all the stuff with Joseph dying minimum, young and minimum. and Elizabeth's emotional reaction to that. And then seeing uh, traits that she doesn't like in her brother, Henri, show up in her son. That's all a thing that that's could a exist. Movie. Yeah, that's right? a movie. Yeah. That's a whole movie right there. Uh, and and obviously, in fact, I would argue that there's already you already just described two movies. Because there's a dynamic generated by Joseph, uh, untimely early death, and like the way the family dealt with that, and then there's the movie about like a a, a mother having a son clearly suffering from some mental illnesses, and right. then knowing that her brother also has that, and then wanting to keep them separate, but then eventually having to bring them together is another movie, right? Like yeah. that you could spin that story and off be. and do it yeah. to yeah, two it could hours, be right? Anymore. And obviously, you know, there's another interesting aspect that is not really overtly explored in the narratives as we experience experience them of the genetics of disease. And uh, right. Abel makes an offhand comment about how we argued for years about uh, who was responsible for Joseph's leukemia, yeah. and we finally found out that it's that it's which is Janon, really which is a, a really cruel thing to say. A cruel thing to say, especially from Abel, who has never said a cruel thing in the entire movie. Yeah, it comes. It kind of uh, really does feel like it comes out of left field, right? Right, right. Uh, whereas you know, with uh, you know, Elizabeth obviously has her own uh, psychiatric issues, uh, right. but the way those things are manifesting in Paul are. Uh, textually in the movie, ways that uh, things that Henri has also dealt with. So, right. uh, so that sort of uh, that genetic connection, and and you know, and that's you know, that is an aspect of making a family movie too. That I'm is realistic. Uh, you know, those sorts of things right. do skip a yeah. generation or 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 or. Well, and that thing you do when ways. like you look at your children or you look at your aunts and uncles or whatever, and you say, oh, that that's. I see that in this person, this thing right. in this person as well, like that they do and that sort of stuff, right? Right, certainly. So, you know, it's just there's a lot going on in this movie, and I think they're, you're right to say there's too much going on in this movie. Uh, I am less convinced that anything that is going on is bad, but I'm still willing to say it could be more than one movie very easily. Well, I would point out that I, 
never really said that. Okay, you never said that. I don't want to put words I, in your mouth either. I I I do like I did argue that I think some of the acting from some of the actors is a little bit much. Okay, yes. Could be toned back a little bit. Is is a little bit committing a little bit too hard to a sort of an unrealistic dy- like level of dynamism in their the way that they deal with their yeah the people around them. I will, um, specifically, I'm looking at Henri. Yeah. He's the one I find most sort of a little you, out there. You saying that makes me think of one more hyper realistic moment in this movie that I do absolutely love, and that okay. is when Claude punches Henri. And Henri's girlfriend just sits at the table laughing nervously and eating as much as possible uh, yeah. while all of this happens. It's just, yeah, like, it's, like yes. It's yeah. a beautiful it, moment of yeah, absolute I mean, realism. The movie has a lot of realistic. Yeah. It's, right. I, like I said, a couple of times, to- a few times, some of the acting was a little bit much. Right, right. But a lot of times, the any particular moment feels fine realistic, realism wise. It's yeah. just. If you met this family, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this? This is like, oh, like, you, like the police should be here because everybody in this family dies and like, all, like, <laughs> right. untimely deaths and like, it, you know, it's just it feels it's a lot of fairly realistic scenes, but too many of them. You're right. So right. Yeah. Yes. So to draw this too close, this week we have been talking about a Christmas tale from 2008, directed by Arnaud Desplechin. And starring just a whole plethora of French actors and actresses. Uh, Really great cast. Um, Next week, we will maybe get an answer to Pat's question about 2008 film, but probably (laughs) not, considering it's a gangster crime drama from Italy uh, with Gamora, (laughs) also from 2008, directed by Matteo Garone. This week, it was a Christmas tale, and thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatori Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. In criteria. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.